the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network presents Vatican Insider with Joan Lewis. Each week, Joan brings you news from inside the Vatican and the church around the world, as well as interviews and answers to your questions. Now, here's the host of Vatican Insider, Joan Lewis. Welcome to Vatican Insider on another tropical August weekend in so many parts of the world. Next weekend, the final weekend of August, will be a big one, perhaps even historic, as the Pope will create 20 new cardinals, visit L'Aguila in Italy's central Abruzzo region, celebrate Mass with all members of the College of Cardinals, including the new ones, and then meet behind closed doors with the entire college to discuss his document on the reform of the Roman Curia, Predicate Evangelium. I look at each of those events and maybe beyond. And now, the week's news highlights. Sunday, August 14th at the Angelus, Pope Francis greeted pilgrims gathered in St. Peter's Square, and he spoke of the expression of the day's gospel when Jesus says, I came to bring fire to the earth, and how I wish it was already kindled, a powerful phrase that challenges us. The Pope said, things are never the same when the gospel comes alive in one's heart as it provokes change, conversion, and sparks a restlessness that sets us in motion and drives us to open up to God and to our brothers and sisters. The gospel is just like fire. While it warms us with God's love, it wants to burn our selfishness, to enlighten the dark sides of life, to consume the false idols that enslave us. Francis said, Jesus' words call on us to rekindle the flame of faith, and he pointed out that this is of primary importance and more than just a means to individual well-being, but rather it enables us to act like a living flame to keep us wakeful and active even at night. He encouraged the faithful to pray to the Blessed Mother to assist us, and he said, may she who welcomed the fire of the Holy Spirit intercede for us. In post-Angelus remarks, the Pope drew attention to the serious humanitarian crisis affecting Somalia and parts of neighboring countries. The populations of this region, already living in very precarious conditions, are now in mortal danger from drought. I hope that international solidarity can respond effectively to this emergency. Unfortunately, war diverts attention and resources, said the Pope, but these are the objectives that demand the greatest commitment, the fight against hunger, health, education. According to the UN High Commissioner for Refugees and the Norwegian Refugee Council, more than 755,000 people have been internally displaced in Somalia because of the severe drought. Monday, August 15th, was the much-loved Solemnity of the Assumption, one of the biggest holidays and holy days of the year in Italy. Pope Francis appeared at his study window to pray the Angelus with the faithful in St. Peter's Square, reminding everyone that the Blessed Mother takes each of us by hand, and he invited everyone to rejoice as we follow her trusting, faithful, and radical example. Francis highlighted the day's gospel that offers the dialogue between Mary and her cousin Elizabeth, telling the faithful to recognize Mary's active role and presence in every moment of their lives. The Holy Father underscored that Mary is the first creature who, with her whole self, body, and soul, victoriously crosses the finish line of heaven. She shows us that heaven is within reach. 
if we too do not give in to sin, if we praise God in humility and serve others generously. She, our mother, takes us by the hand. She accompanies us to glory. She invites us to rejoice as we think of heaven. After reciting the Angelus, Pope Francis said, On this day dedicated to Our Lady, I urge all who have the opportunity to visit a Marian shrine to venerate our Heavenly Mother. Noting that many Romans and pilgrims go to St. Mary Major to pray before the Salus Populi Romani, as well as the statue of the Virgin Mary, Queen of Peace, placed there by Benedict XV, Francis said, Let us continue to invoke Our Lady's intercession so that God may grant peace to the world, and let us pray in particular for the Ukrainian people. Tuesday, August 16th, was a quiet day at the Vatican and was, in fact, the last of the three mid-August holidays for Vatican employees, August 14, 15, and 16. Wednesday, August 17th. The weekly general audience took place in the air-conditioned Paul VI Hall due to the excessive heat in Rome. Although last week Pope Francis had announced he was ending his series of 16 talks on old age and the elderly, he did resume the theme of old age at the general audience with a bit of a twist, asking the faithful to rediscover the importance of allowing the old and the young to interact and share experience and enthusiasm saying humanity needs to rediscover the importance of allowing the old and the young to interact, Francis was true to those words when he welcomed an adorable little boy, perhaps five years old, who strolled with great self-assurance right up to the stage during the end of the audience greetings in Italian. He stood at the Pope's right knee, serene and unmoving, for a full five minutes, and was brought back to his family only at the very end of the audience after the papal blessing. A Vatican employee at one point gave a rosary to Pope Francis to give to the little fella, who looked at the Holy Father the entire time with a seriously attentive expression. The Pope spoke to him briefly and then resumed the catechesis, caressing the boy's head or patting his shoulder. There were a number of interesting moments at the audience, not least of which occurred when a Swiss guard standing behind and to the left of the Pope fainted as the catechesis was being delivered in Portuguese. There was a little break in the catechesis as he was being attended to, and then a moment of general applause as he was helped to his feet and out of the auditorium. Also Wednesday, the press office released information on the events to take place in the Vatican, August 27, 28, 29, and 30. Twenty new cardinals will be created in an ordinary public consistory the afternoon of Saturday, the 27th. Thursday, August 18. Very quiet. No news at the Vatican. Friday, August 19th. The Vatican published the Holy Father's message sent by Cardinal Secretary of State Pietro Parolin to Bishop Francesco Lambiasi of Rimini on the occasion of the 43rd edition of the Meeting for Friendship Among Peoples, which takes place at the Rimini Fairgrounds from August 20th to the 25th on the theme, A Passion for Man. Rimini is on Italy's Adriatic coast. Also Friday. The Vatican announced that the Vitae Global Foundation will hold its first summit meeting at the Vatican's Casina Pio Quarto on August 31st and September 1st. Pope Francis is expected to take part in a portion of the summit. 
A press statement said internationally renowned artists and entertainers will gather to discuss how to leverage the arts, media, and entertainment to trigger a cultural transformation that promotes the common good, universal values, and an encounter between peoples. Those are the week's news highlights, but now stay tuned for my special on next weekend's consistories and meetings of the entire College of Cardinals. This is Ken Hampton, General Manager of the Sword, St. George, Kansas. I always strive to remember that every one of us is a wounded soul in need of God's love. There is no better place on the airways for wounded souls to encounter God's mercy and love than Catholic Radio. Catholic Radio is important. The world needs EWTN Catholic Radio, now more than ever. few minutes a day, you can become an EWTN media missionary in your parish, in your community, or through prayer. Be a part of Mother Angelica's mission. Place your gifts and strengths in service to Christ and His Church by volunteering your time and sharing the eternal word with the world. Visit EWTNmissionaries.com today. EWTN, the Global Catholic Network. There are a lot of ways to pray. When I was in the evangelical world, we didn't we didn't like rote prayers that the Catholics prayed. Nah, we we wanted to say our own prayers. We thought that it was coming more from the heart. Any kind of prayer, whether it comes from the heart and is a loose connection of words, or it is a prayer that the church has had for centuries, is good because it is prayer. Welcome back to Vatican Insider. Here's Joan Lewis. Welcome to Vatican Insider and a special I've prepared on the big events of next weekend, the final weekend of August. This is going to be a big weekend, perhaps even historic, because the Pope will create 20 new cardinals, visit L'Aguila in Italy's central Abruzzo region, celebrate Mass with all members of the College of Cardinals, including the new ones, and then meet behind closed doors with the entire College of Cardinals to discuss his document on the reform of the Roman Curia, Predicate Evangelium. I look at each of those events and maybe beyond. So let's jump right into that special report. In March 2013, as the College of Cardinals met in pre-conclave general congregations to discuss who and what should be the focus of their conclave vote for a new pope, Following Benedict's resignation on February 28th, the cardinals asked, What kind of a man does the church need at this time as pontiff, and importantly, what are the church's needs? As in previous conclaves, the topic of renewal of the Roman Curia was always mentioned, the Curia being the Vatican-based central administrative institution of the Catholic Church. It seems that many cardinals felt that the Argentinian Jesuit, Cardinal Jorge Bergoglio, gave the most compelling talk regarding a curia reform. He was elected, as we all know, on March 13, 2013. Almost as much of a surprise as his name when it was announced that March evening in 2013 was the March 19, 2022 publication by the Vatican of the much-promised and long-awaited papal document on the reform of the Roman Curia. 
published on the Vatican News website with absolutely no fanfare, no press conference, no leaks by anyone in the Vatican. The New Apostolic Constitution, Predicate Evangelium, Preach the Gospel, caught everyone by surprise, employs the Vatican City-State, the Roman Curia, and the media. Predicate Evangelium replaces Pope John Paul's Apostolic Constitution Pastor Bonus of June 1988. The new one became effective June 5, 2022, the Solemnity of Pentecost. Other than the Constitution being a stunning surprise for everyone, even though it's been in the planning for nine years, we know that popes always look for significant dates to publish a document. In this case, March 19th was the Solemnity of St. Joseph, beloved by Pope Francis, and also the anniversary of the start of his pontificate. That could easily have been a date to intuit the publication of this Constitution. Another remarkable fact of that publication. Predicate Evangelium was published only in Italian. It took a while, but it has since been translated into the other traditional Vatican languages for documents. English, French, Spanish, Portuguese, German, Polish, and Arabic. And that document will be at the center of a two-day meeting behind closed doors of the entire membership of the College of Cardinals. You see, starting next Saturday, August 27th, the Vatican will host four days of big events, perhaps even historic ones, when Pope Francis creates 20 new cardinals. On Sunday the 28th, he will visit L'Aguila in Italy's central Abruzzo region, and on the 29th and 30th, he will meet behind closed doors with the entire College of Cardinals, whom he has called to Rome to discuss his document on the reform of the Curia. On Tuesday, August 30th, the Pope will celebrate Mass with the entire College of Cardinals, including the new ones. I now look briefly at each of those events and perhaps beyond. It was at the May 29th Angelus that Pope Francis announced that he would create new cardinals in a consistory on a distant August 27th. You see, normally these consistories for new cardinals take place a month after the announcement of the names of the new cardinals. No explanation has ever been given for the three-month delay. Francis also announced the meeting of the full College of Cardinals. Sixteen of the new cardinals are under the age of 80 and thus eligible to vote in a future conclave. Today, the college has 116 cardinal electors from 65 countries. On August 27th, there will be 132 electors, 12 over the ceiling set years ago by St. Paul VI, of 120 electors. Francis is not, however, the first pope to go over the magic number of 120. Three of the new cardinals hold office in the Vatican. Fourteen nationalities are represented, including the curial cardinals. A consistory is a particular kind of assembly of the College of Cardinals, called by the pope and conducted in his presence. Consistories are either public, at which the Pope and Cardinals gather in the presence of others for some important purpose, or private, at which only the Pope and Cardinals are present. An example of a public consistory is the assembly at which the Pope raises new members to the College of Cardinals. Private consistories are held to discuss the most important of Church matters. August 29th and 30th, the day the Pope and Cardinals discuss the Constitution on the Curia, will be private consistories. 
This is only the third private consistory Francis has held in his papacy, the last one being in 2015. A public ordinary consistory allows the Pope to create new cardinals in the presence of the entire college of cardinals. As I said, the identities of the cardinals-to-be are generally announced sometime in advance, but only at the time of the consistory does the elevation to the cardinalate take effect, since that is when the Pope formally publishes the decree of elevation. There are men who have died before the consistory date, and if the Pope dies before the consistory, all the nominations are voided. There will actually be a second public consistory on August 27th, in which cardinals will be asked to assent to the canonizations of two blesseds, Giovanni Battista Scalabrini, an Italian bishop and founder of the Missionaries of St. Charles, and Artemide Zatti, an Italian immigrant to Argentina who was a nurse and a Salesian brother. Popes hold several of these public ordinary consistories regarding future blesseds and saints every year. August 28th will be, for the media at least, the most quoted event of these four days for sure, as you will understand in a moment. On June 4th, days after the May 29 announcement about new cardinals, the Vatican announced that Pope Francis will make a pastoral visit to L'Aguila on August 28th for the annual Celebration of Forgiveness held in the city in the central Italian region of Abruzzo, which was devastated by a massive earthquake in 2009. This celebration was established by Pope Celestine in 1294 with the papal bull, the Bull of Forgiveness, that grants a plenary indulgence to anyone who, confessed and communicated, visits the Basilica of Santa Maria de Colimaggio from Vespers of August 28th to those of the 29th. Now, an interesting fact about L'Aguila and Celestine. In 1294, Celestine V was elected Pope in the Church's last non-conclave papal election, ending a two-year impasse. Among the only surviving edicts he issued as Pope was the confirmation of the right of a Pope to abdicate. Immediately after this edict, he resigned, having reigned for only five months from July 5th to December 13th, 1294. Only one pope has resigned in the 719 years since 1294, Benedict XVI. On April 29, 2009, after the massive earthquake, Benedict XVI went to L'Aguila, and he visited the tomb in the Basilica of Santa Maria de Colimaggio of this medieval pope named Celestine. After a brief prayer, he left his pallium, the symbol of his own episcopal ministry as Bishop of Rome, on top of Celestine's tomb. Four years later, he, Benedict, resigned the papacy. Much was read into this when the Vatican announced Pope Francis's August 28th visit to L'Aquila. Now, the June 4th announcement by the Vatican led many, myself included, to speculate on a possible resignation by Pope Francis, either at Mass in L'Aquila or when he is with the entire College of Cardinals, 132 of whose members can vote in a conclave. If the Pope resigned, the cardinal electors would already be in Rome for a conclave to elect his successor. Pope Francis for months has suffered debilitating pain, including a fracture in a bone in his right knee. He's being treated for that quite assiduously, but has been using a wheelchair publicly since May 5th, and on occasion, a short walk with a cane. But he has been unable to preside at Mass. 
He did travel to Canada in July, and there were restrictions, and he is set to go to Kazakhstan for an interreligious prayer event in mid-September. However, in a series of interviews with the media in recent months, Francis has not shied away from the idea of resigning. So if you want to align the stars for a resignation, this could be it. We're looking at 20 new members of the College of Cardinals and 16 electors. We are looking at a visit by Pope Francis to the shrine of the last pope to retire before Benedict XVI. And we are looking at meetings that will bring all cardinals to Rome as if for a conclave. One interesting fact. Celestine was 85 when he resigned. Benedict XVI was 85 when he resigned. Pope Francis is 85 years old. Now, on to another aspect of the August gatherings, specifically the two days, August 29th and 30th, when the Pope will meet privately with all members of the College of Cardinals. As I speak, there are 206 members of the College. On August 27th, members will number 226 with the new Cardinals. 132, as I said, will be electors. The Pope indicated that the focus of this private consistory would be to discuss the new constitution on the Curia, Predicate Evangelium. Given that this papal document is a done deal, one wonders what kind of input the cardinals will have, or will they merely ask questions about the new and improved Roman Curia. It's more likely, however, that the world's cardinals, who barely know each other except for the region they live in, the Americas, Europe, Asia, or Africa, will have a lot of questions to ask the Pope about matters other than the Constitution. The Pope has written many documents recently, mostly motu proprios, that deal with Opus Dei, the Order of Malta, the liturgy, especially the TLM, traditional Latin Mass, Vatican tribunals, modifications in canon law, the new structure of the former congregation, now dicastery, for the doctrine of the faith, and, for sure, Vatican finances. In fact, the cardinals may have many questions about the dicasteries, and especially what seems to be, in the Constitution, a more prominent place given to evangelization than to doctrine. How does one evangelize without first having doctrine? Another point, for example. In the past, the heads of congregations were always cardinals, and the heads of councils were either cardinals or archbishops. As of June 5th, lay people may assume those posts. So, might a lay person head the dicastery for bishops? This raises a lot of flags for many people, and that's just one example of a questionable change in the Constitution. Now, the cardinals may have questions about the Pontifical Academy for Life and what seems to be its openness to changing church teaching on certain ethical issues. Since many of the cardinals have not ever met each other, their questions will be a way for their fellow cardinals to learn how they feel about church teachings and current issues. Just how a question is asked on ethical or moral principles, or the liturgy, for example, can reveal a lot about the person asking the question. I'm sure all of the cardinals will use every minute of their time in Rome to get to know each other, to chat over coffee breaks, or share meals together, perhaps even a stroll in the Vatican Gardens or the beautiful piazzas of the Eternal City. It's only a guess, but I feel confident that each cardinal has, since the May 29th announcement of the consistory, since the news of the Pope's health and somewhat reduced activities, and since the papal interviews, where Francis indicates that resigning is not off the table, 
I'm sure each cardinal has wondered if they're not being called together to hear a resignation. Now for a moment, let's look at the document the cardinals are to discuss. In a nutshell, Predicata Evangelium streamlines Roman Curia offices by reducing nine former congregations and twelve pontifical councils into new bodies called dicasteries. It opens broad possibilities for laymen and women to hold ranking positions in the Roman Curia, including heading most of the new departments. It gives great prominence to both papal charity by creating a specific dicastery, and to the Pontifical Commission for the Protection of Minors, placing it within the dicastery for the doctrine of the faith. Most prominent in the new papal document is the place given to evangelization. In fact, Pope Francis merges the 400-year-old Congregation for the Evangelization of Peoples, also known as Propaganda Fide, and the Pontifical Council for promoting the new evangelization into one dicastery, and he placed himself at the head of that office. There will be two pro-prefects because the main prefect will be the Pope. Now, Propaganda Fide was created June 22, 1622, so 400 years ago. The pontifical councils deal basically with issues related to everyday life of man. The family, laity, health, healthcare workers, quorum for charity, migrants, justice and peace, legislative texts, culture, social communications, interreligious dialogue, and the new evangelization. They are often called the PR, or public relations arm of the Church, as they produce publications, hold and attend seminars worldwide, and participate in global meetings on issues specific to them. Now looking at the congregations, the nine congregations dealt strictly with matters pertaining to the Catholic Church, doctrine, bishops, priests, institutes of apostolic life, evangelization, education, causes for saints, divine worship and the sacraments, and the Eastern churches. The oldest congregation is that of the Doctrine of the Faith, born in 1542. All pontifical councils have their roots in the 20th century. Most are post-Vatican II, created by Paul VI or John Paul II. Benedict XVI created a 12th council in June 2010, the Council for Promoting the New Evangelization. In March of this year, when Predicata Evangelium was published, many of the reforms mentioned in the Constitution had already been implemented in recent years. Some of those changes were in the form of motu proprios by Pope Francis. A motu proprio in Catholic canon law, rather like an American president's executive order, refers to a document issued by the Pope on his own initiative and personally signed by him. It doesn't necessarily have input from other people or institutions. I've given you an overview of what is about to happen in the Vatican on the last four days of August. Hopefully, this will help you follow those events with a greater understanding. There may also be some surprises ahead, so stay tuned. For more information on these stories or to check out Joan's blog and to ask her a question, go to EWTN.com. That's EWTN.com. Thanks for listening to Vatican Insider on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.